Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are to us. A father, a friend, a person who's there through thick and thin. Lord, we just appreciate you for being so gentle, so kind, so understanding, so empathetic. And we appreciate that, Father. With that being said, Lord, we thank you for this time that we have together, that you'll govern it, that your spirit will navigate through me in a way that you never have before, in a way that will touch every life in this room. And with that being said, I come against every demonic spirit, anything that may try to war against myself, my wife, my daughter, my family, my lands, everything that belongs to me. I command you right now to loose your hands off of them as I engage in this warfare against your kingdom. And Father, I thank you so much for that authority that you've given me to protect those things and to protect these young people, to create an environment that they can be receptive of this word today. And Lord, we just appreciate you that this moment will be life-changing for these young people. And you never do pray, amen. All right, have a seat. Today we're going to be talking about... My apologies, my... <laughs> Say this with me. I got to have peace of mind. I got to have peace of mind. That's my title for today's chapel message. I got to have... Peace of mind. How many people in this room right now, you need peace of mind? How many people in this room, you don't have to raise your hand, but you can raise your hand in your heart. How many people need peace of mind? I have a couple of definitions and a few scriptures that I'm going to cover for a little bit. And then we're going to talk about some things that typically come against teens, peace of mind. And then, of course, I gave you an activity a worksheet for those who need it to begin to position yourself to receive that peace of mind. Let's define what the mind is. The mind is the complex component in the body responsible for thoughts, consciousness, perception, reasoning, memory, and various cognitive functions. It encompasses mental processes and activities contributing to an individual's overall cognitive and emotional experience. Again, the mind is a complex component in the body responsible, meaning that your mind is responsible to function in these ways. It's responsible for thoughts, consciousness, perception, Reasoning, memory, and various cognitive functions. It encompasses mental processes and activities contributing to an individual's overall cognitive and emotional experience. So this means that your mind is a terrible thing to waste. Your mind was designed to be of service to you. God gave you a mind. God didn't give your mind you. And unfortunately, a lot of our minds are being programmed. A lot of our minds are being used for us. A lot of us uh, are too lazy to allow our minds to exercise and to grow to where it becomes an asset. How many people, don't raise your hand in this room, whose minds are a liability and not an asset? Your mind was designed to assist you. It was designed to be an asset for you. It wasn't designed 
for you to be staying up all night. It wasn't designed for you to overthink. It wasn't designed for you to worry. It wasn't designed that way. If anything functions outside of its original design, that thing will uh, outwire. That thing will, will, will self-destruct. That thing will malfunction. And a lot of young people, especially in this day and age, and unfortunately, a lot of people in my generation and above can't quite comprehend what you guys are going through because we didn't have social media. We didn't have stuff that popped up in five seconds or less. We, we didn't have our brains immersed in a system that's designed to hotwire your mind to be useless. God created your mind to be a portal. Everything you use, everything you own, everything you wear was once in somebody's mind. Everything that you have ever experienced came through the mind of a person. And what is it that God wants to get through your mind? But if your mind is so intertwined with all these different distractions, then my friend, you can't add. It will always be subtractions in your life because your mind has to be a resource that you can benefit from. So your mind is responsible for thoughts. Your mind is responsible on how to process the differences between good and bad thoughts. The differences between what deserves your attention and what doesn't deserve your attention. And how many of us, our minds are so bogged down with negativity that we can't produce any positivity. It's responsible for how you perceive things. See, your mind, unfortunately for a lot of people, has been programmed to perceive things a certain way. This system designed by Satan designed it for you to perceive women incorrectly, to perceive men incorrectly, to perceive marriage incorrectly, to perceive yourself incorrectly, because how can you function at a high level if you don't even know who you are? It's also designed for reasoning. Your mind was designed to reason through. Everything God has for you is behind the doors of truth. God wants you to be in a place where you're actually able to reason to find the truth in things. To take five steps back and look at a situation and reason through. That's why it's important for us to think things through. Why? Anybody? Why is it important to think things through? Not think things too. Yes, sir. Uh, if you think before you do something, uh, you will, uh, not exactly. You have a high probability of not suffering consequences. Most of our minds are designed to think things too. So if she's cute, I think to the cuteness. If he's handsome, you think to the handsome. You don't even examine if his heart's right. You don't even take the time to examine the fruit. The Bible says you don't know a tree by the sign in front of the tree. You know a tree by its fruit. Imagine an orange tree having a sign in front that says apple trees. How many people are advertising things they don't bear fruit of? And so if you only think things to a thing and not think it through, then you won't be able to see. That's why I love about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has insight. That's why we get upset with God when God, we've all been there, a friend, a significant other, a person you liked, a person wanted to be your friend, and in your spirit you felt a resounding no. But you was like, nope, yes. <laughs> the devil can't beat God. The Holy Spirit will give you insight. And that's why I tell people you have to live your life like a Fortune 500 company. 
You have to run your life like a business. None of us are qualified to do interviews. We got to go to the Holy Spirit who has an interview. He's a person that can scan a person and says, nope, that's not God's fit for you. And he don't have to explain himself because no is a complete sentence. And when you begin to understand how the Holy Spirit works, you will say, I'm going to train my mind to reason through things, utilizing the scriptures so I can be able to stand. Your mind is also responsible for memories. One of the greatest weapons against people that the enemy uses are our memories because he knows you can't erase them. His goal, I don't say his goal because he's um, he's not omnipresent. Satan and God are not the same. So Satan is not in this room right now. Satan is probably in some, you know, other place. <laughs> right? But he has a system designed with demons, infestation of demons. Do you know there's more entities in this room than just us? And my question is, how many demons did you bring with you today? And it's no coincidence that when you get in your Bible, they push that sleep button. <laughs> All of us got a sleep button where the enemy be like, oh, you got your Bible. Oh, oh. Sleep. It's designed to keep our minds in his system. That's why you scroll mindlessly for hours looking for dopamine hits, looking for for some stuff to make you feel like you have some substance. And then all of a sudden now you wasted all that time while being programmed at the same time. Your mind has a responsibility. It's supposed to function in a certain kind of way. God doesn't want you your mind not to be at peace. Can I get someone to tell me why does God want us to have a mind at peace? What, what makes that beneficial? A peaceful mind. What can you get done with a peaceful mind? Yes, sir. That when challenges come, you can overcome them by peace of God. Amen. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. That's right. That's right. Now, let's define what peace of mind is. Peace of mind, both in a general and biblical sense, is a profound state of tranquility and assurance. I love that word state. Right now, we're in what state? Man, y'all know what state y'all in? North Carolina. Can I physically be in two states at the same time? Can Can I literally be here? And in California, same time. So state means where your mind resides. So peace of mind is a profound state of tranquility and assurance. Imagine being a believer, a child of God that's constantly 100% assured. I, I, I'm so glad that I'm assured of my salvation. My eternity is signed, sealed, and delivered. I don't got to worry about hell. So now I don't have to worry about living hellish. I don't have to worry about living devilish because I know my eternity is secured. I don't have to walk around. Am I saved today? Am I saved tomorrow? And God, can, and God desires for you to be assured so that you can, he can ensure you get something done. I have this process I put people through. Because of God, I'm insured. <laughs> something happens, I'm insured. So right now, if I get in a car accident, which will never happen... But if I get in an accident, I have insurance. I don't have to worry about, man, I have to come out of pocket. I'm insured. Insurance then creates assurance. Assurance means 
that I am at emotional peace because I know that I'm insured. I know that I'm loved. Now I can ensure that I get things done. I'll keep going for time's sake. It says peace of mind is a profound state of tranquility and assurance. It transcends external circumstances. Embodying a spiritual calmness rooted in faith. It is deeply connected to trusting God's sovereignty and recognizing that his peace surpasses all understanding. Providing a foundation for a serene and unshakable mental state. Say it with me. I got to have peace of mind. Here's some scriptures on peace real quick and then. We'll get you some points and we get to your worksheet. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And in my Bible classes and wherever I teach, I try to tell people that the Bible was not designed for you just to read it. The Bible was designed for it to read you. Most of the time, we only have time to read the Bible. We don't have time to allow the Bible to read us. Can I get somebody to tell me why is it important for us to allow the Bible to read us? Yes, sir. Amen, my brother. Yes, sir. So when I read scriptures with students, I try to get them to see patterns. I try to get them to see principles. I try to get them to see how I can model my life after this text. So before I read Philippians 4, 6, 7, that's my foundational text. Let me read a few others to set the tone about peace of mind. Number, uh, John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus saying the world has a peace, but it's not sustainable. People go to people for peace. People go to money for peace. There's billionaires right now with 15 security guards, house secured and can't look in mirrors. These people that sell their souls to the devil, they don't have mirrors in their house. Because when they look in the mirror, they see demons. Because the eye is the window to the soul. So they have all this money, all these securities, all this protection, and not at peace. I'd rather be in a 2012 vehicle with full of peace than to be in a 2022 Rolls Royce. Now, that's going to be one day. <laughs> and have no peace. So when you go to that person and you're looking for peace and then they leave you, now you're torn to pieces. Now your life smells like feces. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives because the world can only give you temporary peace. I can't go to my wife to get eternal peace. She's not built for that. So imagine me expecting her to give me a peace that only God can give. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. And some people try. They try to give you a peace to themselves. A peace of their peace. They try. But it says, here's a principle. He says, let not your heart be troubled. That is your responsibility. You got to do whatever it takes, find the systems, whether it's journaling, whether it's drawing, whether it's for me, I go for long drives to talk to God. Find something 
to ensure that your heart doesn't become troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Isaiah 26, 3 says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because they trust in you. This verse lets us know there is a thing called perfect peace. But my mind has to be stayed on God. Now, that sounds Christianese. That sounds like, okay, how do I keep my mind stayed on God? Do I got to get a poster of Jesus and just look at it? No, that's not what that, that's not what that means. It just means I got to be cognizant enough to see God in every situation. If I can see Jesus in the midst of the fire, I can be at peace. If I can see Jesus in the midst of my relationship, I can be at peace. And that's why you're dating people with no Jesus and you wonder why you don't have his perfect peace. If there's no Jesus in it and you're doing more devil stuff than you're doing godly stuff, then my friend, you ain't going to be at peace. Psalms 29 11 says the Lord will give strength to his people. <clears throat> the Lord will bless his people with peace. Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. I got to let peace rule in my heart. Matthew 11.28-30 says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Heavy laden means emotionally weighed down. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find Rest for your souls. Now, the verse that I want to get to that I'm going to labor on a little bit more is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And we all know that scripture to a degree. We may not know where it's at, but we know it once we say it. It says, be anxious for what? But within everything by what? And supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through whom? Christ Jesus. Now, let's talk about five things, and I'm going to use the scripture to interject it. Five things that typically causes people at y'all's age to not be at peace. Here are five things that typically disrupts your peace. Number one, academic pressure. Academic pressure. The intense competition and academic expectations can create stress and hinder peace of minds for teens. The constant pressure to excel in exams, maintain high grades, and secure a successful future can lead to anxiety and a sense of inadequacy. There's a lot of people in this room who's struggling with academic pressure. As long as I got an A in God's book, I don't got to worry about too much. That doesn't mean you don't give your best, but give your best from rest. If you make a C, but you at rest, take that C instead of making an A from stress. I'd rather get a good, listen, I tell people all the time, if you don't know it by 1030, go to bed. Get that F respectfully. Get that D respect. I'd rather you have a D, I'd rather you have an F, than you to be borderline stressed out with straight A's. Bro, I was a D and C F student. Listen, I, if I would have went to the hospital, if my mom would have took me to those side, side whatever the people call 
they probably would have diagnosed me with ADHD. Some people just couldn't keep my attention. My mind was looking out a window thinking about businesses. Sometimes the school system ain't built for some of you all. And that's okay. Because let me tell you something about the real world. A and B students typically work for C and D students. No disrespect for the A students. Nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of A students that are entrepreneurs and successful. But sometimes when you're so immersed in a system that only lasts till you're 18, and most of it don't even contribute to the real life, the only man fighting to know is how to count money. <laughs> English helped me beneficially because I write books. So English, but I'm talking about don't stress over academic equations and stuff like that. Like, give your best. But don't stress yourself out. And forget your parents. Because your parents is trying to get you to live in a system they wasn't successful in. How you going to tell me how to be successful if you don't have the blueprint of your own actions? You trying to teach about relationship, but your marriage dysfunction, dysfunctional. So you have to learn how to separate Ignorance from assurance. Tell your parents to call me. I don't got a problem talking to them because they don't want to see this right now. Because I get too many of y'all in my classroom, in my office, stressed out over something that ain't going to benefit you in the long run. You got to focus on your gifts, your talents. Don't get me wrong. Do your best in school because you learn some, some soft skills, some in- transferable skills like hard work, discipline. But being up at 12 o'clock at night over a paper, I heard a person say that, and, 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 and I'm going to say this respectfully. They say school disru- destroys more families than anything because the kids come home. They're not at the dinner table. They're doing homework. Now your parents come home with work, work, and now there's no family connection. The intense competition and academic expectation can create stress. God never intended for anything to be stressful. The Bible says the blessings of the Lord adds no sorrow. Here's the right perspective about academic pressure. The right perspective involves recognizing that academic success is important. Let me kind of balance it out. It is important because it does teach you how to stay on task and be disciplined. But it's not the sole measure of your worth. Why do you think they have these scaling systems? And they celebrate the A students. They, they give trophies to the, these different people. And what does it do to the person who did their best? And their best was a C. Bro, I didn't get a bunch of A's and B's. <laughs> but that's life. But it's not your worth. Understand that mistakes and challenges are part of the learning process. And your well-being is more important. It is more important than that dopamine you get because your mom says she's proud of you only because you got A's. Now, what does that do to your mindset? Now, I got to perform to receive appreciation. Now, I got to perform to receive love. And what does that set little girls to do? Now, I got to perform for him to feel like I'm loved by him. If I just accept you for who you are and understand that your life is stressed out, 
then it will create an ecosystem in the minds of people to say, you know what? My mom, my dad loves me whether I bring a D, whether I bring a B. Understand the mistakes and challenges are a part of the learning process and your well-being is more important. Set realistic goals. Strive to get to that B. I'm not sitting there saying stay F's. Mr. Ezra gave me readings and be an F. Student. Strive to, at least, if the best you can ever do this year is a C, I'm proud of you. You're welcome. Set realistic goals. <laughs> Prioritize self-care. And view education as a tool for personal growth rather than a constant competition. Number two, social media comparison. Teens often find themselves comparing their lives to the carefully curated versions presented on social media. This comparison can result in feelings of insecurity, fear of missing out, and a distorted sense of self-worth, impacting their peace of mind. Listen, are actors and actresses actually the people in the movies they're acting in? So why do you believe what people post on social media? Listen, people, somebody came to me, came to me one time, it's like, I don't really, you don't really post your daughter and your wife that much. That's right, they're valuable. Why am I going to post something that's valuable? If I see your relationship more than I see you, chances are that ain't the real y'all. So what am I trying to say? If your self-worth and identity is measured by how great a person lives their life online, and now your offline life is compared to somebody's online life, then my friend, you won't be in line with your life. So you got to look at these people and filter through. Man, I'll be looking at people, I'm like, man, there go your wife again. There go your kids again. Over and over again. And then when these people message me and be like, I'm struggling with my family, like, then why are you posting something different? Teens often find themselves comparing their lives to carefully curated versions presented on social media. So, that, so people curated those photos. They curated those stories. They want to make you believe something they don't even have a, a, a belief in. So then when they go back through their stories, oh, oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, okay, I believe. <laughs> this comparison can result in feelings of insecurity. Oh, I don't have what they have. Oh, they in a relationship. Oh, man, I wish I was in one. No, you don't. It's going to end in about two and a half months anyway. That's real. I mean, that's the honest truth. Now, here is how you change your perspective. Up. It says shift your perspective by acknowledging that social media often portrays a filtered version of reality. Understand that everyone faces challenges and what's shared online may not reflect the whole picture. Focus on your own journey. Celebrate your own achievements and cultivate genuine connections rather than measuring yourself against curated images on social media. If your online life is better than your offline life, then you need to get offline. If your online life is better than your offline life, then you need to get offline. Number two, peer relationships and bullying. The dynamics of friendships and the potential for bullying can significantly affect the teen's peace of mind. Issues such as peer pressure, conflicts with friends, or experience of bullying can contribute to emotional distress, 
making it challenging for teens to find inner calmness and security in their relationships. This is difficult for you all because up to the age of 11, all you cared about is what your mom and dad thought of you. Once you cross into 12, 13, 14, 15, all the way to 18, you start caring about what your peers think of you. But I always say this, don't trust your peers, trust those who have years. What does that mean? When your teacher or someone says, yo, you might want a second, you might want to look at that in another way. Because I've lived long enough to know that don't work out. And I'm telling you right now, man, a lot of people, they just want to feel accepted. I'll, I'll assimilate into anybody else's form of thinking just to feel that I'm accepted. But you've already been accepted. Life is not designed to live for acceptance, but from acceptance. Let's keep going for time's sake. Here's the solution. View peer relationships as an opportunity for support and growth. Recognize the value of authentic, say authentic, authentic. connections and surround yourself with positive influence. Listen, how many, raise your hand if you know, raise your hand if you know, if you can smell a fake person a mile away. You'd be like, oh man, they fake. Then why are you being fake with them? If they're fake, move on. That's why you got to surround yourself with authenticity. But the reason why we want to be around people that's inauthentic because we haven't found our authentic selves. Let's keep going. Shh. Family expectations and dynamics. Expectations from family members, whether related to career choices, behavior, or future plans, can create internal conflicts for teens. Striking a balance between individuals' aspirations and family expectations can be challenging, impacting their peace of mind. Let me help you out for a minute. Who's going to judge you at the end of the age? Who's going to be your judge? God. Uh, will your mom be your, your lawyer? Will your dad be there? No. So, so many young people, and I've coached a lot of older people, who are living the dreams of their parents. And now you have this internal conflict because how, how many, you don't got to raise your hand, but a lot of people heard this before. That don't make a lot of money. We want you to be secured. Go get a job. Go, go. No. Respectfully, no. Like, or disrespectful. Respectfully, no. I say that because God is like, I'm the one that placed that dream in you to be this or that. Your best money would never come from a job that God never gave the law. The dream job is the dream that he already placed in you. Meaning this, if you want to be an artist, be an artist. If you want to be an entrepreneur, be an entrepreneur. If you want to skate for a living, skate for a living. If you want to cook for a living, cook for a living. Do what is already in you to do because God is expecting a return from that. I don't want to stand before God and God be like, Josh, the speaker, come forward. And I'm Josh the dentist. Well, Josh, the author, please come get ready for your judgment. I'm like, oh, is your name Josh? But I'm Josh, the accountant. Oh, that's not going to fare well in judgment. Because God's going to be like, I missed out on a return 
Because you want to do and make them happy. So what am I trying to tell you? Some things you got to say, I'm going to take this pressure off. I'm going to find my peace of mind before my mind is torn to pieces. And most family, they have good intent. Like they're trying, they're, they're trying, they, listen, that's why you can't take advice always from a person that's not secure in themselves. They're going to make you insecure. Oh, my money not good. Oh, my life ain't good. Oh, oh but you got to do this or, or you're going to end up like me. Okay. But you got to begin to say, you know what, God, what do you want me to do? The dynamic oh, says uh, expectations from family members, whether related to career choices, behavior, future plans can create internal conflict. So you so when you're around your parents, you're like, yeah, mama, I'll do it. I'll be. But inside you're like, man, now I got to go to school for four, eight years to be something I never wanted to be just to be a part of my parents talking points in their little clubs and with their friends. Oh, guess what school my daughter go to? They want that stick on the back of their car because they need to feel assured themselves. I got to have this on the back of my car so I can walk proudly and say my daughter and my son X, Y, or Z. Now, this is how you handle it. I'm almost done because I know you're getting kind of antsy. Strive for open communication with your family and express your thoughts and feelings if you can. Understand that family expertise come from a place of care in most cases. But it's essential to find a balance that aligns with your own aspirations. Communicate your goals and involve your family in discussions about your future, fostering understanding and support. Last but not least, self-identity and body image. And then we'll we'll be done in the next five minutes or so. Adolescence is a time of self-discovery and concerns about self-identity. And this could be a significant stressor. Teens often grapple with society. I can't, I can't. If I hear a whisper, I can't, I can't flow. And so to prevent me to spasm on you, just just help me out. Understand that societal standards, oh, wrong place. Teens often grapple with societal ideals of beauty, struggling to embrace their uniqueness. This internal conflict can hinder their peace of mind as they navigate the journey of self-acceptance. Man, how do you feel about you when you look in the mirror? When you look in the mirror, I, oh, everybody has blemishes. Everybody got hiding points on their body, something they don't want people to know they got, or, 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 or everybody got something they don't like. But at this age, some people are stressed out and don't have a peace of mind because their body don't look like her body. Oh, I don't have his money. I don't have this or that. You got to be okay with you. At your age, I didn't like me. I actually hated me. Because my gifts wasn't celebrated. Everybody came to me for advice, but those same people that got advice from me was the same one laughing at me in the cafeteria. So what I do was, I said, okay, well, I used to buy those little jumping shoes. I don't know if they still got them. And I, I got the weighted vest. Cause I was like, oh, if I dunk, I can get the ladies. If I can, if I can just get up there. <laughs> if I, and I'm in a gym. Because if I, if I can just show that I have these traits, maybe I'll be accepted. But as I got older, I didn't realize that that gift I had, that gift I have was priceless. At y'all's age, you're comparing yourselves to each other. Oh, I wish I, man, man, listen, I'm glad I'm part of the tall community. Uh, uh, Most people don't believe that. But 6'2 is at the bottom pole of the tall community. But man, I wanted to be (laughs) 6'8. Oh, man, I wanted to be 6'9. I look at my nephew, I'm like, man, you're blessed. 
I wanted that at your age. I wanted to be 6'9 and, and climbing. Or whatever, how? 6'6 six, six and... Six. I wished. But I couldn't make myself taller. <laughs> I couldn't make myself a better baller. I couldn't. Because that wasn't what I was called to do. But if you stop comparing your life to other people and begin to look at your life for what it really is and how God wants to blossom it, then you will see that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Here's the perspective you need to have to have peace of mind. Embrace the perspective that true beauty. Everybody say true beauty. True. Kanye said it best. Sometimes the ugliest people, sometimes the prettiest people do the ugliest things. You know why pretty people do ugly things? They've been told it was pretty for so much. I'm glad I grew up ugly. <laughs> Sorry, let me talk about me. I'm glad I wasn't attracted because I would have had a false sense of reality. Man, I'm glad I was ugly. I'm glad I wasn't a superstar on my team because it created a hunger in me. It created in me that I didn't have to be entitled. It created, uh, uh, there's, some there's some negative byproducts of, byproducts of thinking that way. But man, true beauty is not based upon how you look in comparison to others. Embrace the perspective that true beauty comes from authenticity and self-acceptance. Understand that societal standards are often unrealistic. And everyone's journey of self-discovery is unique. Focus on developing a positive relationship with your own self. Celebrating your individuality. And surrounding yourself with those who appreciate you for who you are. Now let's go to Philippians 4, 6-7 and I'm done. But everybody take a worksheet out real quick. Anybody have an extra one I can use? Is that an extra one? Thank you. Appreciate you. Now... The reason why I give you guys these is because I want you to have something to take the next step. I don't just want to be a preacher that preaches and then I don't offer you something to actually apply what was spoken. This assignment, and it's not an assignment that's due or nothing, this is just for you, is to help you find that peace of mind. The Bible says be anxious for what? God is telling you that you have nothing to be anxious about. You don't have to be anxious about what college you're going to. You don't got to be anxious about who you're going to marry. You don't got to be anxious about that. How, why be anxious with the all-knowing God? The next step is secured. God is ordering your steps. So if you're anxious about college, anxious about a career, it's okay not knowing. But it's not okay not knowing the one who knows. All you need to know is the one that knows because he's the one that shows. Be anxious for nothing but in what? Everything. When was the last time you talked to God about that struggle? Talk to God about that anxiety. And the reason why a lot of young people don't really go to talk to God is because of self-righteous believers in churches. They make you feel like you have to be perfect. They make you feel like you have to be worth it in order for God to even hear you. Go to him about everything. Man, do you know how many times I got to go in my car? I smile at my wife, tickle my baby girl, and they don't know I got tears well up and up behind my eyes. And I'm like, I'll be right back. I'll just go, go to the, I'll be right, I'll be back. <laughs> and I get in that car, God, being a husband, being a father, juggling all these things, God, I need help. Then I go for a little drive. And I come back 
And it's something about that car. When I'm in that car and I'm crying out to God, it's like the peace fills up that, that whole vehicle. And I went from crying tears of joy, I mean tears of sorrow, <laughs> to actually crying tears of joy. So if you make it a habit to go to God about everything, God wants, listen, I go to God about random stuff too. I'm like, God, what you think about this? What you think about that? Like, oh God, you saw that's funny. Like, like you got to cultivate that type of relationship because it provides peace. It says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? The best way to find peace of mind when it feels like your life is being torn to pieces is to be thankful for the pieces he put in your life. Sometimes I say, you know what, God, I'm sad. I'm upset. Here's my request. But man, God, I'm glad you gave me your best through your son, Jesus. God, I'm so glad I got I'm able to breathe. Like, man, do you know people who got two hands? You know, people that don't got feet. You know, people that's wheelchair uh, ridden. No, many people died this morning. The reason why we are so out of peace is because we want God to add pieces. You'll catch that tomorrow. The reason why some of us are not at peace is because we're begging God for pieces. And God said, I am the only peace you need. And sometimes we be like, God, man, I only go to you to ask, but I don't appreciate what you've given. And if you begin to thank God for all the little things, we breathe about 20 plus thousand breaths a day. If you were able to thank God for every breath you took, you would be you wouldn't even have time to count your burdens. So with everything. With Thanksgiving, so when you're going to God, you got to say, God, I'm thankful. Let your request be made known to God and then the what? The peace of God. Which surpass all the things. So when I'm in that car and I come back, the situation hasn't changed. Do you know in life you're going to find yourself in situations where you like, God, change my situation, but God doesn't change your situation. But you have a peace knowing that your situation will eventually change. That's what you need, because sometimes God gives you a peace. You can't even understand why you at peace. You're like, God, but little my life is being torn to pieces for my eyes. He's like, no, it's not falling. It's not falling to pieces. It's falling into place. So when that friend falls off your life, no, your life is falling into place. When that person leaves you, that, that yes, it seems like it's falling off of your life, but it's falling into place. Because sometimes the best parts of your life is not having all these excessive friends anyway. And they said that this peace will actually guard your mind and heart. Bro, do you know how many times I should have been dead with heart attacks and strokes if I didn't have God's peace? The type of stress I go through, the things I have to navigate through, if it wasn't for God's peace guarding my heart. Literally, that, that verse doesn't mean, oh, that's cute. No, it's guarding my heart. I can go to bed right now knowing that I don't care what I got to face. I'm getting some sleep. It'll guard your mind. Have you met somebody that's out of their mind? Someone that's walking around crazy. I grew up off Wilkinson Boulevard. I saw crackheads all the time out of their mind. Come here, young fella. And I'm like, hi, right, man. I'm just trying to get to the bus stop. You know what I'm saying? Just, man, I don't got no dollar. I'm a kid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, let's go to your worksheet because we're done. Here is finding peace of mind worksheet. Here are five steps that's evident in this verse. And this is not for everybody. So I don't, don't feel pressure. But keep it in your soap book because going, there's going to be a rainy day. 
Number one, you have to acknowledge your anxieties. In order to find peace of mind, you've got to acknowledge your anxieties. You've got to say, God, I am going to acknowledge that I have anxiety in this place. It says select the main source of your anxiety from the options below. Is it academic pressure? Is it social media comparison? Is it peer relationship and bullying, family expectations, self-identity, or other? List specific concerns or worries that are currently on your mind. Reflect on how these anxieties make you feel. You have to acknowledge them. Number two, prayer and supplication. Write a prayer addressing each of these concerns. And I got a, a prayer on the back to help you. Include your feelings, thoughts, and desires in each prayer. What this does is you can type this prayer in your phone. You can, type, you can write this prayer in your journal. So when you are at a loss of words, you're at a place where you can't put words together because you're emotional. You can pull that prayer out and say it out loud. Number three, gratitude and thanksgiving. Identify at least three things you are thankful for, even in challenging circumstances. Reflect on how expressing gratitude can impact your, pers uh, your perspective. Step four, submission and trust. Write a paragraph surrendering your worries to God. Express trust in God's wisdom and plan for your life. Step five, peace of God guarding your heart and mind. Visualize a scene where God's peace is actively guarding your heart and mind. Write a statement of affirmation, trusting in the promise of divine peace. The rest is just optional. And what? Let's go to the back. Here is a prayer that you can use to help come into your life. It says, dear God, I come before you recognizing the pressures and anxieties that weigh on my heart as a student. In this moment of prayer and supplication, I lift each burden to you. You can write your burdens there. Whether it's academic, so you can say, for academic pressure, grant me the wisdom to navigate challenges. The strength to persevere in a heart that understands my worth is not defined solely by my grades. In the realm of society, of social comparison, help me find contentment in my own journey, God. Appreciating the uniqueness that you've bestowed upon me and understanding that true value comes from within. For peer relationships and uh, potential bullying, guide me in choosing friendships that uplift and support. Strengthen me to stand against negativity and let kindness be my compass in all interactions. Concerning family expectations, may, expectations may open communication prevail, God. Grant me the courage to express my aspirations and help my family understand my dreams and choices. God, in the quest for self-identity and amid body image concerns, Instill in me a deep sense of self-acceptance. Let me see myself through your eyes, embracing the beauty of my uniqueness. I surrender these worries to you, trusting in your wisdom and plan for my life. In times of pressure, pressure, remind me of your promise. Be anxious for nothing. May your peace surpassing all understanding guard my heart and mind. And in closing, God, I express gratitude for the blessings in my life, for the support of those around me, and for the opportunity to grow through challenges. Thank you for your unending love and guidance. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. That is my tool for you. It is you and I's responsibility to make sure that our hearts are not troubled. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, I thank you so much for this opportunity you've given me to speak to all, but to be impactful to some. 
And for those some in this room, God, I pray, those who took this message to heart, it's an honor, God, that you will utilize me as a vessel to transform the trajectory of their life. As I stand before you, if there's anybody in this room right now that says, Mr. Ezzy, man, I don't know the Prince of Peace. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I don't have access to the peace that he gives because I haven't made peace with him. God, I need you. If you're in this room and you're saying, man, hey, God, I need you. I need to get saved or I need to be assured of my salvation. Then raise your hand. If you're in this room and you're like, man, I've walked with God, but I've walked away. I can remember the moment where my eyes was filled with tears and I began to give my life to God. But man, I'm entangled in this world system and it's causing me not to have peace of mind. And I'm at a place right now where I know that I have it better at my father's house than in this relationship, than in this lifestyle. Then this habit, and Mr. Ezzy, I need to rededicate my life to God. If that's you, raise your hand. And if you're in this room right now, you say, man, Mr. Ezzy, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, I need to be in a place where I have that comforter strong and bold inside of me. If you need that or any one of those, mess, those uh, whatever those things are called, raise your hand at this moment. And if you're in this room and you like, Mr. Ezzy, man, I'm good with God. I'm saved. Mr. Ezzy, man, I've rededicated 15 times already. <laughs> and I got the Holy Spirit well inside of me. But right now I'm in a place where I feel like I'm going to go crazy. I feel like I'm losing my mind and I just need someone to pray for me. If that's you, raise your hand. If you're in this room, you say, I need peace of mind. I got expectation from family. I got peer pressure and you need someone to pray for you. Raise your hand. It's my last time. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters. Heavenly Father, I pray in an authority that has been given to me. I command every demonic spirit of depression under the sound of my voice to loose thee. Don't manifest right now. But I command you to leave them silently. I command every demonic spirit that's warring against their mind, I command you to walk off of them, loose them right now in Jesus' name. Right now under the authority, I command you right now to receive, I'm speaking to your spirit, man, receive the peace of God. And if you feel like crying, you can go to the bathroom, you can start crying out, release it now. And Father, I thank you for that authority you've given to me. That at whatever moment or time today, they need to cry to you. I already know you're going to be there with open arms waiting for them. Lord, I thank you for this time you've given me, man. It's an honor. Now I'm going to go with Coach Mel and get something to eat, Father, and enjoy you with my brother. And you then we do pray. Amen.